Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, September 10th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. Also in Los Angeles, I'm Lamar Wilson. And... I'm Roger Chang, the producer of the show. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Sarah Lane, uh, having some technical difficulties. Hopefully, she'll be jumping in uh, shortly, and you'll hear her later in the show. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Analyst Ming-Chi Kuo says his sources indicate the next version of the iPad Pro will switch to USB-C. Now, lots of folks have speculated Apple would switch the cable in its iOS devices, so it would go lightning to USB-C instead of lightning to USB-A, which it does now. But Kuo specifies the entire I.O. will change. That'd be big. Yeah, that would be big. OnePlus confirmed that its OnePlus 6T phone will have an under-display fingerprint reader, significant because currently only phones from Vivo and one special Mate RS model from Huawei use an in-display fingerprint reader. OnePlus is expected to launch the phone in October. After a report on the Malwarebytes forum, researchers have confirmed that two apps from Trend Micro, Dr. Archiver, I did it, and Dr. Cleaner uploaded browser history from Safari, Chrome, and Firefox. This is similar to what AdWord Doctor was found doing. The apps have been removed from the Mac App Store. Ah, yes. So the uh, the, the fate <laughs> continues. And now with Trend Micro, I mean, they're not a fly-by-night company. So this is, no, they've been around for years. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, this is a little concerning that this is happening. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about smartwatches and processors. Yes, my favorite. Qualcomm unveiled its new smartwatch chipset, first teased at I.O., called the Snapdragon Wear 3100. All three models have revamped architecture that integrates with Google's Wear OS. The new chipset is better and able to handle background tasks and is more powerful than the Wear 2100 line and four A7 CPUs, a DSP, and an ultra-low-power coprocessor. Now, oh, you have some? Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I, I like that we're finally seeing a a watch-specific processor made. Uh, in, the, yes. in the past, the Qualcomm processors were pretty much adapted mobile processors and now they're doing things with these multiple cores the reason they have four a7 cpus is some of them are ultra low power 
because they're finding that you know people don't use their watches constantly like they do their phones. Most of the time, they just need to show the time and maybe some notifications. And and the amount of times you need to actually interact with it is probably not enough to warrant four equally powerful cores. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to say what five. We use our watches five percent of the time, which I was thinking about. I was like, that's probably true. I mean, I have it doing things for me like heart rate tracking and things, but yeah are probably not looking at it that often. Uh, one of the cool features of this uh, is uh, a, a, just a regular watch mode that it'll be able to switch to. So, like, if you, uh, let's say you're down by, you know, the, what, what is it, 20 minutes or two hours of time, you're 20% remaining. Uh, you can switch it to that watch-only mode, and you'll get another two weeks, yeah. a week or two out of the device. And if it's, like, you want to do it completely from 100%, let me say, like, 30 days. Yeah. Like 30 days of power, that's amazing. And not that you'd e- do either one, but it's nice to know that when you get down to 20%, you can say, yeah, just go to watch mode so I don't lose functionality. It doesn't just turn into a, a blank black box on my wrist. Which which happens all the time with this beautiful thing. Oh, does it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my battery life's good enough to get me through a day, but if I forget to charge it, then yeah, then I'm I'm, I'm out, out of luck. The other, yeah. And the other thing they have in here is a, a sport mode where it will just use the cores to power GPS and tracking and not make all the other stuff available from the watch. Again, so if you forget to charge, you might still have enough battery left to get you through a workout without having to lose all your data from that tracking. Well, I don't have to worry about the workout part, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you're just naturally fit. I get there that. You, you know, there you yeah. go. Uh, Blair Levin and Larry Downs write in the Harvard Business Review that even though Google Fiber has paused rollouts and is often seen as a failure, it succeeded in pioneering new ways of working with local authorities to... Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, 
Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Get networks built. Local authorities became more willing to negotiate prices, permitting, and fees. It also encouraged competition, accelerating fiber deployments by as much as two years, by some estimates. And it caused investors to become more supportive of capital expenditures. Remember, Verizon stopped rolling out fiber because of investor pressure. Uh, Levin and Down write, authorities are finding, as with Google Fiber, that they must offer competitive rates or risk delaying private investment in new networks, a critical source of local development and competitiveness. And we're seeing the effects of this change of attitude in 5G rollouts. Yeah, I've always had trouble with this this uh, whole concept we have of, of failure. Like, you know, because they paused something, it's seen as a failure. What what Google did was push the competitors to get their act together. They and obviously it wasn't completely altruistic. They the more the faster the internet is, the more people will access Google and their services. I mean we, we know the end result. But because of that, Comcast got got on their butt ATT, uh Time Warner, now Spectrum, they all got them themselves together and rolled out a way ahead of the, the deadline. Uh by twenty sixteen they were rolling out uh, I think the deadline was 2020, and, and they exceeded that by four years. So uh, Google, if anything, just just pushed uh, th- these networks, and they made the re- the whole regulation and process easier. So you don't have to go through all this paperwork you deal with one central person. Uh, you, you know, the permits are easier. So I, I think they set a standard. I, I think there's nothing to be said of them being a failure because of this. I don't agree with that. Yeah, and I... I like what Levin and Downs were saying that, you know, whether it was intentional or not, and they suspect it might have been intentional. Google's main idea in getting into Google Fiber was to get more people hooked up to fast Internet so they could use more Google services, whether it's YouTube or Nest thermostats or whatever. Uh, and, and that has worked. There are more fast connections out there, even if they're not being run by Google. I, I like you, Lamar. I, I think it was an intentional pause. It fits in with the strategy of saying, hey, we're starting to see a lot more competition roll out. Maybe we don't need to be plowing ahead as much. But also, I wouldn't be surprised to see Google get into 5G deployments uh, and get into to wireless deployments if they feel like it's moving too sluggishly. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a great uh, piece if you want to go check it out at hbr.org. That's Harvard Business Review. We'll have a link in the show notes as well. Yeah, Alibaba's fifty-four-year-old co-founder Jack Ma will step down as chairman next year uh, on September tenth to focus on philanthropy and education. Uh, Alibaba's CEO Daniel Zhang, the man who brought China Singles Day, is taken over as chairman and will stay CEO as well. Uh, Singles Day, if if you haven't been following DTNS or you don't realize, is the biggest shopping day in the world. And oh, and Daniel Zhang cool. was running Tmall, which Alibaba owns, uh, and had taken it from being uh, a web destination to a mobile destination, and it blew up. And Singles Day was taking this day, November 11th, 1111, and marketing it at first towards people who were single uh, to try to, you know, stoke some love interest by giving gifts. Now it's well beyond that premise uh, and is just this gargantuan shopping day. I mean, Amazon Day, forget it. It's nothing compared to Singles Day. Singles Day is a bigger shopping day than any holiday in any country anywhere. It's crazy. I didn't know that. And I'm just glad that there's a day for me and for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and you're wondering where your gifts were from last November. I understand. I demand to know. Now, I saw, I read this article about this guy. He's he's pretty fascinating. Uh, f- first of all, the fact that he's stepping back at such a young age and 54 for CEO to step back is is young. 
Uh, but he recognized that the that the uh, management needs to be younger to make the company progress faster. So I don't know. I, to me, that feels like that takes a little bit of humility. I don't. I don't know the guy personally. You know, I don't know. You know, if, if he's a scoundrel or whatever. But you know, it, it, the fact that he has chosen to step back and kind of work on some other efforts, just like Bill Gates did uh, back in the day, uh, is it, commendable. And isn't he like like he's been in pop bands and like this, this guy this, he dances in pop bands he's been in some movies with, with yeah he's uh, kind of the combination of bill gates and paul allen uh, paul <laughs> allen was in the bands and everything else is bill gates i guess but yeah uh it's he he's a visionary i mean he he decided in the 90s that he was going to take on silicon valley at a time when people were like china take it on silicon valley Pff, right you got to be crazy and uh crazy like a fox apparently because <laughs> Uh, it has absolutely worked out. No, another article that's that's absolutely worth checking out and a big, big deal. Like, if again, if you don't realize Alibaba is one of the largest companies in the world, certainly one of the largest, if not the largest in China. And Jack Ma is generally credited with being the Bill Gates of China, with being the guy who who made that happen. And and so him stepping down is absolutely as big of a deal as Bill oh, Gates yeah. leaving Microsoft. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, fascinating, and I've learned a lot about Alibaba. I've heard the name, of course, we've talked about it in the show before, but I've never really sat down and, and you know figured out what they do and who, who they are. And it's like, wow, this, you know, it's not just about Amazon and Microsoft. You know, there's a bigger world outside of the U.S. Oh yeah, yes. Uh, speaking, speaking of, of. which, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here in India, so um, Indian startup Nicel Retail has launched its first cashier-free store. What a sale in Kochi, India. Customers can scan uh, their What a Sale app on the way in, and a combination of sensors, computer vision, and AI keep track of what they uh, have when they walk out and automatically charges them. If the pilot goes well, What a Sale plans to expand to Bangalore and Delhi. So, what a sale, what an app, right? Yeah, right. No, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's interesting in a couple of ways. First of all, I think yeah. a lot of people thought, well, only Amazon has the secret sauce to make this work. And we talked about other companies that were doing this at the time. So we've known that there were other folks trying this. Uh, but this one, I think the thing that intrigues me is not just that they've got one up and running. It's not just planned. Uh, right. And they, they've got plans for expansion, which is normal, but they want to do franchising. And that's a thing that I don't see Amazon getting into. That's where a startup can be a lot more nimble. Amazon wants to control everything, right? Because the whole point is to get people to continue to buy money on Amazon.com. Whereas what a sale can say, yeah, uh, no, we can set you up like a McDonald's would set somebody up with a restaurant. Here's all the pieces, go and run it. Uh, and they potentially can expand a lot faster in this particular industry. Yeah, and I, I was reading they wanted to put these in apartment buildings, which, you know, like maybe a micro store. Yeah, yeah. Buildings and and uh, even like going directly to farmers, which I thought was fascinating, just bypassing the, the big stores and yeah. they're a store themselves, you know, and having the farmers sell their goods directly. Like a farmer's to, market. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I, to me, I, th- I think they're, yeah, they're doing what Amazon's doing. Sure. Amazon was first, but they, you know, they have a billion people in India. They're, they're, they're trying to find a, a, a way to, to, to manage efficiency. And it seems like they're, they're kind of ahead of Amazon right now. Yeah. And, and I don't even know if Amazon was the first with this kind of store. I mean, there were, there were companies in China doing it as well. They were a tiny bit different. There's been companies in Japan that do it a little bit different. Amazon may be the first that that really said there's no need to talk to a person at all. But the fact that we're already seeing other companies execute this, and we'll see how well it works out. They're just starting. Maybe it, maybe it won't work as well uh, as it should. Uh, I know it took Amazon a lot longer than they thought to launch. But, yeah, I, I am very curious uh, to see if this now – 
where it goes from how are they possibly going to pull that off to, oh, yeah, we see these all over the world now. Yeah, absolutely. An opinion piece from sociologist Christopher A. Bale in Sunday's New York Times discusses research into political polarization on Twitter. And I had to include this in the show because that is my my big axe to grind is, sure, stuff is happening on Twitter. It's happening on Facebook. What effect does it have? Well, Bale actually studied the issue by forcing 1,200 Republicans and Democrats uh, to see and interact with opposing views on Twitter. He created some bots uh, that, that tweeted legitimate stories to people challenging their viewpoints, and he found that doing so made people more entrenched in their existing views rather than changing their minds. This is why you need to study it, because a common sense approach may be to say, well, you know what we need to do? We need to make sure that everybody sees more diverse points of view so they don't get locked in. But what sure. he found is when you force that, you actually push people farther into their viewpoints. You don't change their minds. So Bale suggests that alerts that make people aware that they might only be getting one point of view might be better than forcing those point of views at them, let them go out and choose to diversify. Then they might actually be willing to open their mind and change their minds, or perhaps exposing people to particular issues rather than particular sources. So instead of saying, hey, conservative, I'm going to put the New York Times in your feed whether you like it or not, or I'm going to put the Daily Caller in your feed whether you like it or not, liberal, you just expose people to issues that they might not be exposed. Like, let's put some more climate change stuff. Let's put some more tax cut stuff. And that would be better than broadly forcing exposure to alternative viewpoints. Yeah, and I think this this stems from Jack Dorsey being on on a on a hill last week, yeah, and yeah. he literally said that you know this is one of the things they want to do, and so this guy was you know had to make this opinion piece, and they've been researching this long before he got on the hill. It's like, yeah, you can do that, but here are the consequences of it. You know, I I use Google News, uh, the new app, uh, and I I do like they give me you know, the main headline, and there, there's two or three other. Uh, opinions there or other uh, articles that I may not look at and you know it, but they're secondary and I, I like that approach some people may see that as polarizing if you don't like Fox News you don't want to see Fox News yeah. in your feed at all so that you know there's still some work to be done with that uh, for sure yeah and I, I just I, I can't emphasize enough how much I want uh, studies to be done to find out what the effects of the stuff is first before prescribing a solution because of <laughs> yes. stuff like this I'm not saying there isn't a problem it's that you need to know what the nature of the problem is and what effects trying to change it has before maybe you end up making the problem worse, even though you thought you were making it better. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right. Whatever you believe about crypto coins, it's a solid fact that they're not stable. According to what? data from blockchain, I know, right? Shocker. Uh, blockchain research unit Dyer, D-I-A-R, says that most coins suffer from arbitrary supply inflation or massive degradation in purchasing power. Even the most stable currency, which is Bitcoin, has year-to-date inflation of 50%, meaning it's not a great store of value. For hedging against inflation, some folks turn to coins like Nano or IOTA or Cazardano, which have a predetermined generation algorithm preventing an increase in supply. Uh, but there's a couple of new efforts that just got approval in the state of New York. Gemini Trust and Paxo Trust are what are called stable coins. The idea is that you link the currency to an actual fiat currency. In this case, they're both linked to the U.S. dollar. The Gemini dollar, developed by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, yes, those Winklevi, uh, is pegged at $1 per coin. 
and trades on the Ethereum blockchain. So one Gemini means one Gemini dollar is one U.S. dollar. Uh, Gemini will also hold dollars in a federally insured bank. So you can sort of by transitive consider your dollars FDIC insured. And the Paxos coins will also be pegged to the dollar on a one to one basis. They have a little bit different uh, way of storing them, though. And uh, the Insider reports Citigroup is planning to introduce something called digital asset receipts. Now, this is a wonky financial thing. I'm not going to try to even explain it because I don't understand it. Uh, But it allows investors to buy and trade cryptocurrencies on regulated markets. That's the part I do understand. It says, look, you want to trade cryptocurrency, but you don't want to be in an unregulated Wild West do it with a digital asset receipt in a traditional marketplace that is regulated by the U.S. government. You won't own the cryptocurrencies directly. They'll be held by an organization that does, and you're getting a receipt uh, that has value related to them. Granted, I'm sure a bunch of you have a question like, really, how's that supposed to work? The practice is exactly similar to an American depository receipt, which has been around since the 1920s and is used to trade non-U.S. stocks in the U.S., uh, so just just for the moment, except like, OK, they do this already with stocks, so they'd be doing it with cryptocurrency. Both of, all three of these stories, I think, are indications that cryptocurrency may not be stable and people may not be sure exactly how to work with it. But so many people want to that solutions are being tried here. Yeah, I'm glad you were here to explain all this. <laughs> all this. Uh, so I, I just have more of a, a philosophical view of this. Uh, you know, cause I, I've I've tried to understand cryptocurrency. There's so many different ones out there. Um, I, I think the instability with cryptocurrency is understandably like why investors, big or small, you know, even if you or I got in it, uh, why they play the short game because you know they get in and get out because it, and that just adds to the instability. So you know. If you're really passionate and you're really serious about deregulation, uh, government I have in control of of the money. I, I think you know there's a order measure of of patience and long game and education. Really, I think ed, education on what all of these are. I mean, in this story alone, these three stories you mentioned, at least five different, five or six different currencies out there, and. Uh, you know, it's it's confusing. Yeah. You, know, you try to understand it, and the the the, the serious person if you're really serious about this government thing and and controlling the money you have to understand that money is power and government so like this is this is serious stuff that could, i mean this is world war type of things we're, we're talking about here we're serious about it so it's, it's important for everybody to, to to really understand and educate myself included i'm not very educated in it uh and i feel the need because it's so serious and because it's not going anywhere. It, that's the thing, right? It does yeah, not. Everybody thought, well, this is a passing fad, right? Right. Uh, right. This is going to be like, you know, dot coms. It's going to blow up and then fade away and maybe something will come out of it. But uh, <laughs> it does not seem to be that way. It was funny. At, at my 30th high school class reunion this weekend, I was talking to one of my classmates, Angie's husband, who is a cryptocurrency miner. Uh, in Southern Illinois. Like he okay. has got a warehouse. <laughs> he is serious about this. He walked me through it. He's got a warehouse with, I don't know how many machines, 30, 50, something like that, uh, that he's got cameras on that he can monitor. And he, he, he went online while we we're, he was just showing me it. And he's like, Oh, three of these boxes are offline. Like, hold on, let me find out what's going on and reboot them. Uh, and he, you know, and of course his wife also were asking like, is this really going to pay off? And he's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, nobody knows. 
right now it's it's not a bad bet because if it pays off it pays off big right it's it's like panning for gold you know you you right. you, you may have a claim that busts out uh or it, you you may end up retiring rich uh these are the kinds of stories i look at that say well yeah, not any particular cryptocurrency may be the one. You could end up being involved in the wrong ones, but it does look like something is going to come out of cryptocurrency, not just blockchain. I've been saying blockchain is going to last for a long time, but cryptocurrency starts to look like one of these may may end up working out. Bitcoin being very stable, relatively speaking, is a good sign for it. And everybody right. doing things on Ethereum, like the Winklevoss doing the the dollar-to-dollar pegged currency is is a is a positive sign as well. Yeah, what, what what do you see in terms of? I mean, we're just projecting at this point, yeah, like, right? Like you know, not necessarily who's the winner, but like, are we talking? When I mentioned patience, are we talking three to five years? Are we talking ten? Yeah, before it settles down, at least yeah. five would be my guess yeah, before yeah. it before it shakes out. You know, stranger things have happened, but I would say five to ten is my gut feeling. Just then, just a gut feeling, not not based on any kind of rigorous analysis or anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I I find it an important milestone that we're seeing state-approved, dollar-linked crypto. Because even though that gets rid of a lot of the advantages of crypto, which is, you know, like, hey, uh, this is a a free coin that can be traded, carry its own value, it will allow people to get into some of the other advantages that are online and public ledger uh, and trade without worrying about the fluctuations, without worrying about that instability. And and if I'm not mistaken, the one city city group was doing wasn't that going to be FDIC insured as well? To, no, that's what, the Winklevoss ones. That's the Winkle, be, okay. Because the dollars are held by a bank, uh, even though you you traded your dollar for a Winklevoss, uh, what is the coin called? Gemini. The dollars are held by a bank, so those dollars are FDIC insured. Ah, okay. And 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 basically, what Gemini is saying is, we guarantee that for every Gemini you hold, we'll have a dollar for you over here, and that's insured. I would buy them if they were called the Winkle Voss coins. I'm just being honest. I think like, didn't I would, they have Winkle coins or something? <laughs> I, I, could be, I know they have the Winkle decks, <laughs> oh, uh, which I look at every once in a while. All right. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Ah, the summer break is over. We're very excited that Nate Langson and text message is back. Let's find out what's in store. Hey. Roger. We can't hear what's in store. Let's see. Which store? <laughs> what a say? Thanks, guys. We took a bit of a summer hiatus, but we're back in the podcasting saddle. And this week, we think it's worth you guys knowing that in Europe, later this year, boxed retail copies of video games will carry a printed warning that they contain in-app purchases right next to the icons that currently warn about violent, sexual, racist, or drug-related content. We talk about why and what effect this might have on the industry over here, as well as the rest of the week's British technology news that should hopefully give our American friends a little extra context about the week's events in the tech world. That's available now at techpodcast.uk. Ah, so good to hear Nate's voice again. So weird awesome. to be thinking about labels on boxed copies of video games. And then, does people buy boxed copies still? I guess they do. They yeah, sure do. I mean, I mean, that's my world. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm definitely listening to that. You don't, you don't download. You buy boxed copies. 
No, I'm just saying the gaming world. Yeah, is my yeah, world. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Oh God, no, I, I. No, that's what I was saying. Like, <laughs> I guess there are people still buying boxes. All right, well, fine. Uh, well, I'm very happy to say that it is uh, now time to check out the mailbag, and uh, let's uh, see what Kevin had to say. Feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Kevin Toppenberg, who's a family physician, MD, has thoughts on our Humanity app discussion of allowing consumers to have legal control over their medical information. That was from Friday's show. Uh, among his many good insights, he said, HIPAA laws prevent healthcare providers from releasing information in many situations with fines ranging from $100 per violation per patient for first-time offenses up to $50,000 per violation per patient for willful neglect that is not connected in an appropriate time. Nevertheless, in 2017, there were 1,579 data breaches exposing 179 million patient records. So while HIPAA has had a chilling effect for providers wanting to jump into data sharing in the medical field, I would argue there is still work to be done. Now, regarding ownership of patient data, I would point out that data is not a thing where only one person can possess it. This is a really good point. He says, it is true that patients have a right to access a copy of all their medical data, but they don't own it in the sense that they have full control of it. For example, if a patient disclosed use of illegal drugs to a doctor and it was put in the record, they cannot come back later and demand to have that deleted. Which made me think, what if we have a right to be forgotten dispute on our hands in the future over medical data? Back to Kevin. He said, thus, both the doctor and the patient both have ownership. I own my patient's records in the sense that I have the right and responsibility of maintaining them. They are my defense against any claims of malpractice, but my patients also own them in that they can obtain a copy of them at any time. Uh, these are great points, and it doesn't mean that you can't own your medical data, and it doesn't mean that efforts like humanity aren't worth like pursuing to give you more control over your data and, right. and legal emphasis of it. But it is like anything else in that it is infinitely copyable. So nefarious people can, once they have a copy of your data, never give it up. Uh, and there's these other issues, which I didn't even think about that Kevin brought up where the doctor has a right to your data because it is in the doctor's best interest that she have that to protect herself or protect you. Yeah, I, I'm fine with the the concept of of having the the copies. I think I, I just I just want access and and you know, ten twenty years ago, you just didn't have as easy access. You had to ask for a fax and yeah, right. You know, and, you know, and now you know, I happen to be with a hospital group where that has uh, that you know connects online to the Apple. Um, Apple Health, which makes it easy for me just, you know, just to see all the all the data there. That I think that's all people are asking for. I think most people understand that it's a copy, but we just want the copy yeah. so we can have control of it. Well, Lamar Wilson, a pleasure as yes, always sir. having you on today, uh, my friend. Let folks know uh, where they can find out more about what you've got going on. Well, I'm on YouTube. I'm more in, like, as I mentioned earlier, in the gaming realm. But you, uh, if you like all things gaming, Nintendo, Xbox, Microsoft, giving away. Uh, that's the Xbox and Microsoft. Okay, <laughs> Sony. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm I'm actually give, giving away a uh, Sony PS4, the Spider-Man edition. So Ooh. that's happening through tomorrow. So if you're interested in any kind of video game stuff, check me out on, on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash Lamar Wilson. You want to know more about me as a person? Uh, check out my Instagram at Lamar Wilson. You know, um, I thought of you because you, you, you're you have in the past done a lot of unboxing of snacks. I know. Yes. Uh, yes. I one of my friends works for Mars, and at my high school reunion, he gave me a bag of future flavors of candy. 
He swore I'll be me over to it. secrecy. I'll be but, over it for Yeah. I mean, if you just came over and happened to see him lying on my counter, what am I going to do, right? Yes. I cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, check it out, folks. YouTube.com slash Lamar Wilson. There's two R's in Lamar and Twitter.com slash Lamar Wilson as well. Thank Thanks to everybody who supports this show. Uh, Daily Tech News Show is independent. We have ads on our public feed, but we don't know what they are. Uh, they are handled by a third party named Acast, uh, and we let them do it as a third party intermediary. More than 90% of our revenue comes directly from you, the folks who support us at patreon.com slash DTNS or directly by PayPal, uh, or by buying things in the store at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. So please, uh, you get some benefits of becoming a member, including commercial free feeds, special content, longer versions of the show if you want. Check it all out at patreon.com slash dtns our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com we're live monday through friday 4 30 p.m eastern 2030 utc and you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live we'll be back tomorrow with patrick beja talk to you then this show is part of the frog pants network Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.